Hey everybody, welcome to Big Things with Zach Miko, and on today's special Mother's Day episode, we're talking to my mom, Kathy Miko. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. Hey everybody, welcome back to Big Things with Zach Miko. Yay, thanks for being with me. As always, I'm your host, Zach Miko. And thank you for joining us on this Monday. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there who do the work of an army and a village and a disciplinarian and a psychiatrist and a chef and a caretaker and a friend and everything else because my mother is all of that stuff to me and I know your mother is all that stuff to you. So I thought on this Mother's Day weekend, what better than to talk to my mom, Kathy Miko. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk to my mother about life, about growing up, about me because I wouldn't be the man I am today without her. And I I still learn from her every single day. She's my guide one of my best friends, and she's the best, and I hope you guys like her too. Um, So, without further ado, everybody, without all the other stuff on this spring day, we're just going to get right into it. So, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and listen to my interview with my mother, Kathy Miko. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It is Mother's Day, and who else better to talk to on Mother's Day than my own mother, Kathy Miko. Hey, Zach. Hi. Say hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Well, okay. You can say hi to her, too. (laughs) How you doing? Doing fine. We're at my childhood home in Connecticut, and uh, we're hanging out. We're going to talk about life and motherhood and all that fun stuff with the person who birthed me. That's me. Or birthed, uh, or, you know. C-sectioned me. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who suffered you? Yes. Oh, man. So, uh, we're in Stratford, Connecticut. Uh, you have, you moved here right after you and dad got married. Right? Yes. Yep. We got married, went on a honeymoon, packed our bags, and came down here. I don't know. How did you like it? So, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Medford, which is like two or three miles outside of Boston. So, I'm a Bostonian. Yeah. And... Uh, Lived there all my life. So then I moved down here, which was very different. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it like growing up in Boston in the the 1940s? <laughs> well, I, I was born in 60, so I was really conscious during the 70s and 80s. So. Yeah. So that's I consider myself a child of the 70s and 80s. Okay. I'm not a Beatles girl. No. Not one, not, not <laughs> Don't whatsoever. care about the Beatles. That's always a good thing. Um, so you are one of seven. Obviously, I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions I know the answers to. But okay. right. <laughs> being that this is a podcast medium, we're going to pretend I don't. So how many brothers and sisters do you have growing up? Well, I am the second of seven. My sister Betty's older than me. 
And then it's my, after me comes my brother Paul, mm-hmm. Roy, Tommy, Mary, and Michael. Yeah, all very Irish Catholic names. Very Irish Catholic, yes. And pr- my father was very proud of us. Good. We're like the Seven Little Foys. Do you know what the Seven Little Foys were? No. I no <clears> it was a Bob Hope movie. Actually, the Foys were a, a vaudeville family, the father and his seven little children. And uh, my mother used to make fun of my father because when we go into church, he'd walk in and he'd have us all, you know, walk in in a row. And we all kind of increased <laughs> in height. And my mother, oh, there goes your father, the seven little foys. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and your your father, my papa, and what, what was his name? What did he do for a living? My dad was Paul Ford Coates, mm-hmm. and he was a math teacher for uh, grammar school kids, and he loved it. Loved his job. Never met anybody who loved his job as much as my dad. That's good. Yeah. And what about uh, Nana? My mom was a nurse. And uh, when I was a kid, she was a delivery room nurse. And she did that for many, many years. Worked the night shift and took care of lots of babies, not just her own. And then um, and when we got older, she started working for colleges. So the majority of us went to college for free. That's <laughs> not all good. of us, but the majority. Now... So in, in, in nowadays, having being one of seven would be a more shocking turn of events. But back then, everyone had a big family, right? Everyone had a big family. And on my street, there was sort of a unspoken contest between the Eisenhowers and the McGaffigans <laughs> and my family, who was going to have the most children. My mom would have a baby, and darn it, Mrs. Eisenhower would have a baby. And <laughs> oh, oh, Mrs. McGaffigan had a baby. Who had the most in the end? I think in the end, the McGaffigans won. I think they had eight. That's, uh, that's a lot. But, but why is that? Why do you think it is that back then everyone did have so many kids versus now? Well, I mean, first of all, everybody did it. Yeah. And second of all, I mean, you know, the change of the world about birth control. But, I mean, we also came from a very Catholic neighborhood. Yeah. You know, you either, either Irish or Italian or some catholic version yeah so everybody had kids i mean so catholic the fact that um both your aunt and uncle are a priest and a nun right father tom is a priest he was started out the archdiocese of boston and um did that for many years and then worked uh, you know for the bishop and then he what he ended up doing what he really loved he was a missionary worked for the um i believe it's the sacred heart society and he was in peru and chile and Ecuador. Wasn't it St. James Society or something like that? Oh, I'm, it was I take a that back. It was the yeah. St. James Society. That's yes. what it was. Yeah. Oh, that was just me guessing. I no, was it like, was St. James Society. Nice. Um, so did he have any uh, famous <laughs> parishioners being a South Boston priest? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to give away any names, but he knew a couple of Bostonians. Yeah. What do you, mean you don't want to give any names? No, because I, you know, it's not my story to tell. Oh, okay, well, I'll have to get Father Tom on those. Get Father ones. Tom to tell the story. Talk about a, <laughs> a young, <laughs> famous Boston boy that's yes. here. Well, he knew the family. He knew a lot of families. So yeah, that's good. Um, so, what was it like being a kid of one of seven? Where it like it was really great sometimes, and then it was icky. <laughs> <laughs> Other times, it was great because you always had somebody to talk to. You always had someone to play with. Yeah. And you always had somebody to stick up for you. But the bad part was that you always had somebody to fight with. 
And you always <laughs> had someone who knew exactly how to go to the jugular and bring you to your knees, your emotional knees. Just very thick. I feel yeah. like that's a very Irish sentiment. Yes. The Irish are very cutthroat. That's right. Like, but don't mess with my brother or sister because I'll come for you. Exactly. Didn't you stick up for one of the little boys once? My brother Tommy, yeah. My brother Tommy was being a real pain in the neck to this one particular kid. John, uh, we called him Igor. He was really big. Yeah. And Tommy was giving him a hard time, and finally John couldn't take it anymore, and he started going on on Tommy, and I jumped right in, and I <laughs> cussed him up and down, and oh, big kerfuffle. And then his mother came up the street, and I told her off. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go after my brother, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, so you were the second oldest. Yes growing up um did you have to be like kind of a pseudo babysitter because of that well both betty and i betty and i were both the babysitters i mean we certainly knew how to change diapers and we had to take people for walks in the afternoon and when my parents went out we would babysit i have to say betty did take the brunt of it i would do the work but betty got the blame so okay. <laughs> so when somebody had to be forced to do something betty had to be the bossy one and I got to sort of back off. <laughs> so I would do the work. I would change the diapers and I would, and, you know, certainly help Betty out. But mm -hmm. she's the one who was the boss. Okay. So um, what was it like uh, back that time? Just just being a Bostonian in general, do you feel like it was a, a different culture growing up than growing up in another part? For example, you've now lived in Connecticut for like 34 years well i mean i don't i don't know if it was so much it was it was a different time like it was yeah. a time where everybody had multiple children that uh you know i went to catholic school straight through college um i went to a catholic grammar school and then i went to an all-girls catholic high school and i went to an all-women's catholic college and mm -hmm. and all my friends were involved in that so i mean you know you were very immersed, immersed i remember your uh the all-girls college you went to um, St. Regis actually became co-ed right or was it just Regis College? It's Regis College, Regis yeah. College. They became co-ed right when I... Uh, I know. Right broke, I'm sorry it broke my heart because <laughs> Re, Re, not, Regis is where I became a feminist. I mean, yeah. the most feminist women I knew were nuns, were sisters. Absolutely. You know, I and uh, they, you know, even though religion was part of their life, they were able to balance yeah. women's rights with the catholic religion i mean you have to give and take but that's where i learned that a woman can stick up for herself that's where i learned that a woman can be intelligent that's where i learned that a woman can do what a man can do if she chooses to yeah you know so it it, it when it went co-ed it, it was very sad to me because i really valued all women's education yeah well, I didn't go there because <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry. You I didn't, didn't go there, yeah. But I went to another college that was all women's and then went co ed. So it's yeah. like I guess it was just the way of the world. But but Regis didn't have a theater program at the time. So I didn't no, go. Well, actually Regis did have a theater program. My sister Betty and I were okay. great greatly involved in it. Oh yeah, no, I still have a picture of you I still doing Godspell. You were well, the music no, that director. was after college. Um I did Blythe Spirit in college. Oh, no coward. Um, yeah. And uh, after college, my sister Betty became a teacher yeah. and she taught it at an all girls Catholic high school and they did Godspell and they also did Sound of Music, both of which I was involved in. 
Nice. Yeah, we still have an old picture of you somewhere sitting at the piano. Oh, yeah. I was playing. the musical director. Yeah. Which I don't think I had the uh, the uh, education to back that up, oh. but I did it anyway. If there's one thing I learned from you growing up mm-hmm. is that just tell them you know how to do it. And no. Make them... Oh, no, you were very good at that. And because of that, I was very good at it. I was very good at being competent enough and uh well and, you know the difference the difference is being you have to be competent but you have to go and get your education you know when i said i could be the musical director uh-huh i mean i knew how to play the piano i had been taking singing voice lessons for years and years and years but then i went to the library and said how to be a musical director yeah. for a show i mean i didn't just wing it i did the same thing with the first time that i uh that I directed a play I'd never directed before. Didn't really know how to but do it. But you'd seen plays but before, right? But I'd seen plays, so I was like, oh, <laughs> same I, thing. I was like, I kind of know what this looks like. But no, Aunt Betty is actually the one who sent me a bunch of books on directing. And See, they were like, there you go. <laughs> they were too dense for me, and I was so just nobody like, was saying you can't do it. No, we're exactly. just saying you better know what you're talking well, about. Well, that was a big thing growing up. You, that's one thing that I loved is you never told any of us that we couldn't do anything. You would just always tell us what we had to do in order. In order that. to do it, just to drive me crazy. It can't. I can't. Don't tell me you can't. <laughs> you sit here and you watch me do it. You can. <laughs> you can. And we could. And we absolutely could eventually. Or at least I got really good at faking it. I got through most things through that. Bartending. I, I got my first bartending job telling them, like, yeah, I know what you're doing. I know how to do this. I could totally do this. <laughs> yeah. And I can pour a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. I was like, okay, I can open a beer. <laughs> I can That's right. pour a glass of wine, apparently too much, I found yeah. out. I was like, there were things I know I could do. I was like, I, was like, I feel like that's going to be 80% of the order. And so. then you also know where I can go and get a book that's going to tell me how to make cocktails. Exactly. And how to count out liquor. I know. And I, and I, and I kind of learned. I was always heavy-handed. Well. My customers were very happy with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> management wasn't. Management wasn't was. that happy. But yeah. they were very, but everyone else was very happy with me. Um, so after college, so you went to Regis College and you were majoring in psychology. Right. It, yeah. And I worked for the United Way of mm-hmm. Greater Boston uh, for, gee, I, wor- I worked at Information Referral Center, which was basically telephone social work. We had social workers there. Yeah. But my job was to gather the research and we, the social workers would provide ag- the information on agencies and doctors and so forth that could help people with their problems. And uh, it was a real education to me. It was fascinating. My job was to, you know, get the resources so that the social workers had something to deal with. Yeah. And then that became computerized, and I sort of evolved into the offshoot of that. And I remember my boss, Carl Spence, great guy, um, telling me that networking was the way to go. And... (laughs) Wait, net- networking like just computers. Oh, computer networking. Computer not like, networking was not- the way to go, and they were going to provide all this information. It was going to be on the network, and it was going to be available to all different United Ways and social workers and hospitals, and and ultimately they decided, nah, that's not the way to go. And then, <laughs> and then the net and, and the internet, internet exploded. And they're like, oh, maybe this is yeah. the, this is yeah. the right thing to do. But I mean, that's really a huge education I got in computers that. A lot of people my age didn't get. Well, that's the thing is because you were learning how to use computers as computers were becoming a mainstream item people use. Because when you were born, a computer 
was the size of a building and it like could do math well and that was pretty I, much I remember it. our first well we had our first computer i believe was my brother paul's and i think it was a commodore and the game pong was on it yeah which is basically watching a dot go back and forth it was the dullest thing ever but my brother loved it and then you know over time they you had to learn pascal and fortran and and uh moved on to ms dos and yeah and now it's like any idiot can do it no i know now it's the younger people are the better they are at it it seems not me i'm not including me i mean there's but plenty there, of know, older people that know what they're there doing there are still people in the background building all that language it's yeah. still really complicated except oh, no, we don't see it back in my day if you wanted to use it you had to create it no with exactly. fortran or pascal or whatever yeah. The going language was at the time. But I mean, as I think now is because my generation is the last generation that will ever remember a pre-internet world. Like, you know, oh, we, yeah, because yeah. we didn't get the Internet here until I want to say I was it was the new house. So because we moved when we were when I was 11 or 12. Right. So I was probably 13, I would say 13, 14 when we got the Internet and it was Alta Vista. And then it was a, and then it was AOL, and then it was it was it was just <laughs> whatever was free. Whatever, <laughs> whatever free CD showed up in the newspaper. Right. That we was used, our internet. Your provider. father and I used to play leisure. Sh- leisure. Sh- I can't even say it anymore. Leisure suit, Larry. Yeah, which, which was this. You know, go from room to room. It was like a bar hopping guy. It was a silly game. And you would just like to, in that game, they would talk to like. Was it was the whole point is that like wasn't Laser Shoot Larry like picking up on women or something? Yes, basically, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. man, but yeah, no, it was, remember it was whatever very sophisticated at whatever, the time. <laughs> uh, whatever free CD came in the mail that was our new <laughs> internet. A oh man, so well, let's move on. So you're working there, and then uh, how'd you meet Dad? How'd that start? For one, you're still happily married. You've been married for thirty three. 33? One. 31 years. Okay. 31. 31. I have to do the math. I, I was think, like, I always know. I think it's 31. It, Daddy always checks me. Oh, it's me. always it's always older than me. We were married June. In 86. 7th, 1986. Okay. So that would be, if I'm turning 29, 32. This will be a 32nd. This will up. be our 32nd. That's right. I was just going to say that. <laughs> it's okay. Dad and I had it engraved on our rings. So that we wouldn't forget because we kept forgetting. Except now my hands are swollen. I can't get my ring. <laughs> so it's, it's a crapshoot. Okay. I, I put the dates on me and Laura's rings for the exact same reason. Because you, you guys told me that. Someday, so I, that's me. how you need it. To just well, to we should have picked a date because 6 7 86 could easily be 6. Uh, see, I don't yeah. even know. See, for me, it was like with our wedding anniversary, it was all even numbers because it was 8. 16 14 which sounds like a weird math problem yeah. <laughs> or like well, um so how'd you meet dad uh dad and i were set up by my friends paul and kathy mm-hmm. paul was from connecticut he's from shelton actually and um, oh, i didn't know that yeah he was friend from well it's a long convoluted so he was friend from college yeah days and uh they were getting married well i met him once on a ski trip he was dad was just there and then I met him again at their wedding, mm-hmm. and I knew I liked him. And then 
Paul and Kathy sort of arranged for us. Well, to he meet liked again. you. He always used to tell us that when we were. So you sang at their wedding. I did. I did my Ave Maria. And when you were singing at that wedding, Dad always used to tell the story that he like turned around in the church, looked up at the choir loft, and was like, "I'm gonna marry that woman Aww. one day." It's yeah. a very sweet story. And we barely spoke at that wedding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but we did get together after that. So. I know. So, um, so yeah, so you ended up. So Paul and Kathy were like, "Oh, y'all would be good together." I think so, yeah. How did your first start date? How did the first couple of dates go? Or what were the first dates? I don't even think Our I know Our first this. date, we went to dinner at a place called Malioff's in Boston, which is a nice old Italian restaurant. I don't even know if it's there anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> we both dressed up nice. Dad had a nice like blue jacket on. And they brought the wine out. The kid punched the cork into the bottle and wine squirted all over Dad. Oh, I did know yeah. this story, actually. <laughs> And but it went it went fine, and then after that we went out to drinks to this place called Friends. I feel like Dad's uh, Dad's romance with you was peppered with clothing getting ruined. <laughs> because, like, <laughs> oh I yeah, because of the wedding. Because I remember the first time, like yeah, I remember the story about him getting wine spilled on a first date, and then who was it? Betty cried. Well, we got married. Our going away outfits. Dad got this beautiful, like beige linen type kind of sport jacket yeah really nice he looked really good and my sister betty Betty was crying so much at the wedding she went to give him a hug and turn around it was like the shroud of turin is betty's (laughs) face right on his jacket and uh he took it to the dry cleaners that never came out so (laughs) uh okay so where where is friends in boston it's right. It was right around the corner from the Black Rose in Faneuil Hall area. Yeah. I, it's gone now. So I know the Black Rose because yeah. I remember that's some that's like a place I always make sure to go in Boston mm-hmm. because you guys would tell me that like you went there a lot for your first yeah. couple dates. Yep. Well, we always uh, Faneuil Hall area. We spent a lot of time. Used to go to the Union Oyster House. Yeah. There used to be a place called the Purple Shamrock, which we enjoyed a lot of Irish music and drinking. Yeah. So, that's, that's what yeah. you do in Boston. That's what you do. In, we did then anyway. Exactly. Um, so how long you guys were dating before dad popped the big question? And he was living in Connecticut, so he was driving up and down Yeah, the whole he was time. driving up every week, and God bless him. My mother says, what's wrong with that boy? I said, I don't know, Mom. Maybe he likes me. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, gee, I think we dated probably for about, Eight months and got married eight months later. We were married within a year and a half. Oh, nice. After meeting. So I wasn't too crazy for getting married as quick as I, because I think I proposed to Laura like right at one year and then we no, got married a I don't year think later. So. Why waste time? Either right? You, you know, you know. That's the thing is I feel like uh, that's always my I advice. mean, you got to give it a minute. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't, like, don't jump into it like within a couple of weeks, but. After a year, year and a half, if you don't know. Yeah. Then move on. No, I is agree. That, is that bad? I don't know. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> but no, I'm the same way. Any friends that I have that always have any questions about dating or advice, I always tell them. I was just like, dating my wife was, was easy. Like, it, we yeah. just got along great. And we had knew. fun. Or you just knew. I was like, it, it's, that love is a complicated thing, but like, it's not at the same time. You kind of know. No, like, no. It's life is complicated, and yes. so that's what ends up becoming complicated. But the actual ability to love another person—that's super. Well, it's because that's a choice. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it feels right, and then you decide, okay, this is the one. Yeah. And I'm going to commit to this one, and I'm going to do the work. And yeah. I'm going to stick it out. 
Yeah, and you guys did. I mean, yeah. 32, 31, 32, 31 and a smidge. 31 and a smidge years later. Yeah. Y'all are still together. So um, you're together. So you, so what was the decision to move to Connecticut instead of Boston? I was tricked. You were tricked. <laughs> Originally, the plan was to stay in Boston because dad was offered, no, dad was looking for a job up there. Yeah. And then he got a promotion at the job he was in Connecticut. And he couldn't turn it down, so we had to move down here. Which one was this at? Uh, Thai Communications, I think. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I was I was really, because Dad has been with the same two companies my entire existence. Well, probably yours, yeah. 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 So, um, okay, so you got tricked down here. And you were also lured down here with a theater that you were told was going to be oh, wonderful. What a dirty, rotten lie that was. I, <laughs> if, when we were dating and engaged, I was working at Emerson College, my favorite job ever. Yeah. And I worked in the continuing ed department. And just Emerson's great. If you can yeah. afford to go to Emerson, you should go. But, um, but it's very expensive. It's now. very expensive. I was working on my graduate degree when I was there. It's like 50000 a year now. Well, if you want to live there. Yeah, no, at, exactly. Yeah, at least. It's like fifty grand a Casey year. Casey got a scholarship, but it wasn't enough to... Well, cover yeah. it, so, yeah. which was sad. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I was very upset about moving because I loved that job. And they said, wow, we have this theater in Stratford and all sorts of theater. Catherine Hepburn was there. It was the Stratford Festival Shakespeare, Shakespeare theater. Festival Theater. The Shakespeare Festival I Theater. It's an exact one replica. lousy thing. Not one thing. I know. Not and it's one a beautiful thing. theater. It's an exact replica of the Globe in London. It is. It's disgraceful. It this is town has falling a... apart. It is <sighs> awful. My entire life, it was. It's never been open in Not my existence. Thirty one and a smidge years, and I've seen nothing. Although I know Christopher Plummer came and read something once. Oh, Big that was deal. nice of him. Well, our whole life, it was them. They're gonna reopen it. They they redid it's the chairs, coming. but they didn't Something's redo the coming. But, something good. But they didn't redo the roof, so then the roof ruined the new chairs, and now we got to do this. And it was always back and forth. And I think what was frustrating is people would always offer to buy it. People came in all the time to the town, being like, "I'll give you, you know, seven million dollars for and this we'll theater, put, yeah. and we'll put on productions and you know boost your area." But every time the old folks diddly squat, yeah. that's what they've done. It's awful. We used to, in um, our high school drama club, like before the opening night of every play, we would go and like, you know, in the middle of the night and we'd have like a group hang, like ceremony, I guess, (laughs) just say, like, you know, of, of, and we'd do it in front of the Shakespeare Shakespeare Theater. Theater doing that thing around exactly. around the, the, around the It was the presentation of of gifts. There was a statue called Petey. Well, we called, I don't even know why he was named Petey. It was, you know, years before I ever existed. Mm -hmm. But it was the Thinker statue, but it's like a little more artsy than the Thinker. And we would, uh, it was the theater god, and we'd present gifts (laughs) to him. (laughs) Stupid. Oh, it's not stupid. It's fun. So, how long, so y'all married for two years, and then you have a, uh, you you get the news that you're having a a bouncing baby boy. That's right, yeah. You knew I was going to be a boy. It wasn't like that. We didn't. We you didn't, didn't know until I came out. No, we found out uh, for your sister and your brother, but we did not find out for you. I didn't know that. No, you were a surprise. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. That was a big surprise. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. It so didn't, it didn't matter whether you were a boy or girl. No, I know. So um, I was uh, a larger baby or longer baby. 
Yeah, you weren't. Yeah, you were long. You were very long and gangly, and your father said you look like a bug, but yeah. you didn't. <laughs> My dad said I was the ugliest baby he's ever <laughs> he's seen. He's always telling everybody how, what an ugly baby you were. You were not ugly. I, I queued it up quick. I don't mind it. I've I've seen the newborn pictures of me. I was not a good looking <laughs> infant. Well. My arms were way too long for the rest long of... Long and gangly. Yeah, my yeah. arms and legs were very long for a baby. And then my skin was transparent and you could see all my veins. And it was very gross. <laughs> I was a gross looking You just kid. needed to eat, that's I all. Know. You didn't get enough to eat. But then, well, was like, you know, like a month later, I was like happy, blue-eyed, blonde-haired little that's kid. That's right, yeah. So was I born in when we were living over um, towards Bridgeport? You were born in Park City Hospital. Which doesn't which exist. Which is in Bridgeport. Doesn't exist anymore, right? Yeah. And then uh, Casey was born at Griffin Hospital in which Derby. Which doesn't exist anymore. Or no, 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 Griffin's still there. Griffin does? Yeah. Oh, okay. Griffin is still there. And then Jacob was born in Bridgeport Hospital. Which is now Yale Bridgeport. Bridgeport Hospital of Yale New Haven. Of, of the Yale New Haven system, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is the biggest, which is now your current employer. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, I only started working at Bridgeport Hospital because you were born and I needed health insurance and yeah. health insurance was free for your family as an employee. So I never would have worked at a hospital if yeah. I didn't need health insurance. Surprise. Yeah, because you were doing Guess all... what? People need health insurance. Oh, I know. Surprise government. <laughs> health insurance yeah. is good. I got a whole career based on health insurance. <laughs> exactly. Because you were doing everything else when we came down here. You were jumping all over jobs before Yale New Haven. I mean, you worked at like PC World. I worked at PC Logic. It was a... PC Logic. Computers. Well, my boss wrote computer software, but we also had a storefront. Yeah. And I was the office manager and I, you know, ordered supplies and I sold things and I did correspondence. I did everything. It was, you know, sort of a administrative assistant, office manager-y storefront thing. But then you needed insurance, and I was born. There you go. What was it like having going from? Because this is something you know. I think all people without children thinking of. What's it like going from your life of having not no just being able to do whatever you want, <laughs> having life, <laughs> to suddenly having a child that's a hundred percent reliant on you for everything? Well, I mean, having kids was great. I've all, I always wanted children, so I was very happy about that. But then you're you're hit between the eyes with oh. Um, I need money to live and somebody's going to watch this kid. And if I have a job, I have to pay them. So now I'm not making any money. How am I going to do this? <laughs> Which is why I went to the night shift. Yeah. No. So, in my, our whole childhood, you worked at it. Dad worked during the day. You worked at that's night. That's right. And we sort of kind of met in the middle. <laughs> I know. So what was your, what was your actual shift? Um, I started out with, gee, seven to two in the morning. And then my friend Sue, who we lived in the same two-family house, yeah, she would, and then Dad would watch him at night, and then Sue would work in a shift opposite to me, and I'd watch her kids, and then yeah. So I, I mean, it was we, very we much of, a rotation. It was between, a rotation, yeah. And, and, and you know, I don't think Sue would have worked at the hospital either. Yeah. It was all based on childcare and not having to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so and eventually it didn't work anymore. So Sue stayed on the evening shift. And I worked the night shift. Yeah. So I worked that for eight years. And so what was the night shift shift? That was um, I worked in the emergency room. I was a registrar. Yeah. And then I sort of transi- transitioned into billing. But, uh, you know, you'd, I'd work from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And 
was always exciting. And then come back when we're waking up and need to... And then I'd come back. Dad would go to work. And then I would prop you up on the couch and give you a snack and a really good Disney movie. Yeah. And I would get on the couch with you and I would sleep for like two hours if I was lucky. Yeah. And then get up, do whatever. And then the afternoon at your nap time, we'd kind of do the same thing. I'd take a nap while you were napping and... Okay, so it wasn't just me. So it was it was just so our listeners understand. There are three of us total. So I was the firstborn, and mm-hmm. then two and years later, and it worked later, out fine with you. Yeah, I was and then easy. when they had Casey, Casey was a dream because she adored a good Disney movie, <laughs> yeah. and she would stay right there in the crook of my knees when I was sleeping on the couch, and she'd watch Cinderella or whatever. Yep, and, and then. I'd, and, and then Jake came. Then another four years later, Jake shows up. And I thought this way I could do it again. So Jake would, while I was sleeping on the couch, he'd get up and take my glasses and whatever <laughs> he liked in this room and pop the screen out of the window <laughs> and throw everything we owned out the window. Dad would come home and it would be like, like half of the no, living room. I would wake up yeah. and I didn't have my glasses and I'm blind as a bat. Yeah. So I'd have to go out in the front, <laughs> in the front yard in the bushes and try and find my glasses. Yeah. Without my glasses on. Oh, God. <laughs> so I finally came to, oh, I can't do this anymore. This kid's going to kill me. So. Yeah. And you, you stuck it out till preschool, though. You were, yes, I did. Yeah. You, you did Once he was in preschool, I was like, please put this kid in school, please. I know, exactly. Oh, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Disney movies were a big part of, of it's one of the, like, I really love TV. I've always, well, yeah. TV, I always loved TV, but it's it. also because it was such a part of like growing up is because, yeah, you had you were working the night shift. You had to sleep. So me and Casey, I think, had every one of those white plastic Disney oh, yeah. VCR tapes yep. ever. And for some reason, we always watched the same like three like. Oh, well, Cinderella. everybody ended up with a favorite. Casey loved Cinderella. I loved Cinderella for some Bed-knobs reason. and Broomsticks Bed-knobs. was a big hit. Yep. For some reason, Cinderella, when we were growing up, felt like. It made time pass faster if we were ever waiting to go somewhere like we were going to go up and visit, you know, our family in Boston and we we're going to get in the car ride and dad would be like, we're leaving. And we'd be like, when are we leaving? And we like <laughs> would be impatient. He'd just like, just watch Cinderella. We'll leave when it's done. Yeah. And we always felt like Cinderella made time pass faster than it, any it other does, movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then came Jake and Jake watched Jumanji. He would watch Jumanji six times a day yeah. I mean, it was just on constantly he loved that movie yeah when i was a kid i remember when it, when it was just me it was wizard of oz i watched that oh constantly. yeah that was a big hit and then when casey when casey was older then it became cinderella was the concept mm-hmm. yeah with bed knobs and broomsticks also bed knobs and broomsticks was a big one and then yeah jake loved jumanji more than anything mm-hmm. and then when we were a little older, Galaxy Quest was the one. Oh, yeah. Because this know was why? before. That was when we finally got a VCR in the van. Yeah. When we would drive to Boston and Dad could listen to Galaxy Quest. <laughs> exactly. We well, it wasn't a VCR. It. Well, th- that, was, that was later. Our first thing was because now it feels like every minivan or something comes with a, like a DVD player and a screen. Right. This was prior to this. This was in our red Ford Taurus station wagon and dad found out 
that he could bungee cord one of those little kitchen TVs with the built-in VCR between <laughs> the seats. Yeah, I don't know uh, how he got that to work. He just did. He, he got like an adapter Anything so he could plug to it. Shut in. you guys up. He got some <laughs> sort of adapter where he could plug the TV into the cigarette lighter. And so Laura, that's why Zach is addicted to television. <laughs> television was was a part of every facet of life growing up. You have a good quote about TV. You always say. Oh, about television. Yeah. Well, you know. When you have kids in life, you, you, you're short of money. And, yeah. you know, the one thing I would never let anybody take away from me was television. Because no matter how poor we got, I mean, at least you could watch a movie. Yeah. You know? So you can take anything. But do not take my television and my cable. I'm sorry. Yeah, that I is... can I can stay in this house and I can not go out for dinner and I can not buy myself any clothes and I can... Eke out my bills, but I'm watching television. <laughs> that's it. That's uh, my line. That's the Miko family <laughs> mantra. <laughs> no matter how poor we are, we got to have TV. Exactly. It's always it's the one bill that's never late under any circumstances. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Don't mess with me. The mortgage can hold off, but the oh no, you pay. always pay your mortgage. That's the one bill you never mess up mess with. It's mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else, the gas, the electric. You know, you can kind of skate it a little bit. Yeah. So were there any, uh, so what's it like as a parent when you, the kids, is there like a switch you see where they're like, this kid's old enough to do stuff. This isn't just like a little infant kid. Like when did we start doing things like dance and boy scouts and whatnot? Was it, was there like a oh, click I mean, you, you saw? You started that doing that stuff when I decided you did. I mean, basically, yeah. I mean, you reach a certain age where your, your child needs something to do to yeah. entertain them. So we figured each one of you could have one thing at a time. So you and Casey both did karate for a while. Yep. And then we were told we were done with karate after a little while. Well, I mean, we can't wait. You reached that point. I can't afford to pay for karate anymore. Okay. Karate kept getting more and more expensive because the the higher up you got, the more like tournaments there were and the more stuff Mm -hmm. and everything had another price tag. And that's when we would go to the Y and you do swimming lessons and Mm -hmm. then... Casey went to the community center and did dancing, and she did that for a year. And I said, Casey, how did you like that? You want to do it again? No, I did that already. <laughs> Move on <laughs> she, to the next thing. She checked it off the list. Yeah, yeah. You had us both doing T-ball or, oh, t- or, yeah. or, or Little League in general. I right. went farther in Little League. Did Casey go past T-ball, or did she just do T-ball? And was no, like, she went past T-ball. She probably played maybe two years after T-ball. Well, for it's also not fun for a, a little fat kid that doesn't want to play baseball that you make play baseball. Well, I mean, you were like a moving target. No matter what happened, every time you got up there, you would get hit. I know. It's it like, for so God's sake, Zach, I back la- up. Back I- up. <laughs> I lasted until until kid pitch when when the kids started That's pitching. That's not true. No, no you, I did a couple of years of kid pitch. You probably lasted till you were about twelve. Twelve or thirteen, yeah, yeah, something like that. But yeah, I would get. I I set a record in the Stratford Little League for most times yeah, hit like at the, the plate target, with the ball. <laughs> the biggest target in Stratford. Exactly. God, it was <laughs> my friend Marie and I. You know, Nick Craig, you're one of your best friends at the time. Yeah, you all played baseball together, and Marie and I would go. And we'd look out, and there's our two sons spinning in a circle, picking dandelions while yeah. everybody else is playing ball. Marie and I would go, I think it's going to rain. You think it's going to rain? <laughs> we should get going. I heard thunder. You know, when there's thunder, they have to cancel the game. <laughs> because it was so embarrassing. Oh, you guys are always looking for a reason to get to me. I remember when we canceled once because there were too many bugs. Yeah, was it was just... a bad day. It was, it was dangerous. Yeah, you're, you're like, it's too dangerous. These kids can't run around right. with all these bugs. Look at all these gnats. 
You gotta stop playing. Mrs. Craig and I would take you all to the beach down at Short Beach. And both Marie and I hate the beach. We're just doing it because, like, the kids should go to the beach. And we'd (laughs) lay out the blanket. You guys would get in the water and go, I've had enough. You had enough? (laughs) Just pack (laughs) it up and go. Yep, we took him to the beach today. We were uh, there for like 20 minutes. I don't know why Nick and I were in baseball for so long. Neither of us liked it at all. We just kept going. I remember there well, was Well, Nick a, ended up doing football. But yeah, well, I mean, Nick stayed more of a sports than yeah. I did. But I remember when we were both in Little League, neither of us liked it. And there was always a thing where, you know, if we had, if more than nine players showed up and they'd be like, all right, we need someone to sit out of the batting average. And like <laughs> Nick me, and Jack's hand would shoot up. We'd shoot up. We'd be like, we can ride. It's okay. Oh, you have too many outfielders. We'll sit on the bench. It's cool. There's dandelions. Can we go off ice cream afterwards? Oh, we were always like, and me and Nick were the ones that would push, like when the coach was nice. It's like, I'm going to buy everyone ice cream after the game. We're going to, you know, Dairy Queen. And, you know, you get a, a, a dilly bar, a cone, or a cup. And me and Nick Craig would always be like, what about these here blizzards? Can we have one of those? <laughs> the guy's like, no. That's like, fun. Was, we're like, well, okay, okay. We'll get a small blizzard. Thank you, Mr. Fielding. We're going to grab this. <laughs> We were pushing it from an early age. Yeah, I think so. Oh, LeBron man. life. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, it's, it pays them bills. That's right. Um, so going through being a little kid, I remember I was very big. Not remember. I know I was very big into the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey did Girl Scouts for a minute. No, Casey did Girl Scouts. But she did all the brownies. Like, she did all she the did brownies, brownies and, and she did gr- Girl Scouts probably. About four years. Really? That much? She did. We had, She had the greatest Girl Scout troop. They would have... One of the trips they took was um, to the Trumbull Marriott. <laughs> they were getting their relaxation badge. Yeah, it was... This. Which was awesome because... It was Joy it was and Cindy the, were the were the group leaders, and I loved them because they hated the outdoors as much as I did. And they would always come. Uh, they did a lot of uh, community work. They went yeah. to the, the senior citizens' places a lot and gave Christmas parties and singing and stuff like that. They called it the stressless merit badge. I the remember stressless that merit, because yeah. I remember as she went to the Trumbull Marriott for her stressless merit badge. I was in Boy Scouts getting my wilderness survival merit badge where I had to like make a debris hut and sleep <laughs> in it and make a friction fire. And yes. I was like, this isn't fair. But you know what? This was an important tool for Casey because there's a lot of stress in life. There is. It's there true. Is. She's she's much better coped than yeah, I am. That's right. If I was I'm great in a zombie apocalypse, but that's pretty much it. And Casey would be very chill about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. yeah she'd be like, we just Whatever. can't. We just can't stress about it. This yeah. is what I learned. You take a dip in the pool. You'll feel better. And the Girl Scouts always had better things than the Boy Scouts because they have the legendary cookies that are now their own business empire. But you guys had popcorn. Yeah, we had pop- really good. We had popcorn. It was. It was good popcorn. I mean, it was. Yeah, sure. It was fucking popcorn. Like it's fucking that one was covered in chocolate. Somehow that was we, nice. Yeah, that was good. Other than that, it was like I remember uh, every year when we had the popcorn sales. I was like, how are we supposed to compete with these Girl Scouts out oh, here slinging? That cookies? is one thing I learned early as a mother. I do not compete. Do not do. I do not compete. I you know if you can get sell seven hundred of these, you can go on a trip. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> Here's 50 bucks. I've done my bit. Exactly. You want to ask some other uh, people if they like some cookies, knock yourself out. But I am not twisting myself like, and yeah, not. You can go on a trip to Washington. What's the quota? What, what did your Skymaster say you have to sell? Yeah. $75? Yeah, we're, no, we're not doing that. All right. Here's $75. Bring but, back the popcorn. We'll give them out for Christmas. That's right. 
<laughs> it worked out well. Yeah. Well. Every teacher for like teacher appreciation day. I'm like, here you go. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. I'm working night shift. I'm exhausted all the time. Do you think I'm going to bend over backwards <laughs> to sell popcorn? No. Or whatever we got. Because we, who, who's, who are we kidding? The yeah. kids didn't sell it. The parents did. What was the weird... I remember in elementary school, we got the strangest fundraisers where we'd get like this magazine oh. full of like candles and soaps candles and, and like, soaps and wrapping paper and wrapping paper and we have to sell a certain That's, amount oh, of that i hated that time of year well and what happens is they trick and you'd the kids. order the wrapping paper and you know what it wasn't it wasn't like a roll of wrapping paper oh no it was one piece. It was like, oh. And you better hope that's a small box because it's not covering much. Laura and I just bought wrapping paper from one of our friend's kids' fundraisers yeah. and it showed and up and we're like, what is this? Because that's the first of the seven million things exactly. you have to we're buy like, that we're like, you don't want. We're like, whose one gift gets wrapped in this? I guess we'll wrap the person's gift who we bought the wrapping paper from that's just to right. be like, see, we used it. The wrapping paper's worth more than the gift. I know. And we always had prizes, but you had to sell a crazy amount of stuff like, to get yeah, the you prizes. Yeah, you won't be winning that. I know. <laughs> Mom, I bother. want the bicycle. And she's like, you're not That's selling nice. seven grand with the yeah. wrapping paper. I want a Porsche. I won't be getting that either. <laughs> you always did a good job of that, of, of setting very realistic yeah, expectations. Yeah, that won't be happening. <laughs> uh, so as we're getting older, um, we kind of start... Finding our way in things, uh, Casey and I, Casey first gravitated towards theater. Yes. Now, you always had theater in our lives. Like, we grew up well, and you always Well, my sister Betty had... was a theater arts major. Yeah. But... I mean, she loved it and she kind of immersed me in it. But even you and dad, like, growing up as a kid, I remember being on long car rides listening to Phantom of the Opera or Fiddler on the Roof or whatnot. And oh, I yeah. always used to ask you to skip. There was one scene in Fiddler on the Roof that was scary to me like to listen to there was like a ghost i've still never seen fiddler oh, to this yeah, yeah. day because i was oh, that's terri- a great music i was terrified yeah. as a child of the soundtrack so that was <laughs> if you knew the story the song what they were trying to scare somebody into doing something i think oh, well, I, I, they it's scared, not coming to me they scared it, young, the whole thing was a joke well they scared young zach <laughs> into ever seeing fiddler on the I roof think they were trying to trick the wife into doing something anyway so um casey gravitated towards theater first and then i casey didn't gravitate casey fully immersed yes she went always knew what she wanted exactly and then i was kind of going back and forth because i wanted to do marine biology was a big thing i wanted to do Mm -hmm. i wanted to be a musician in a band Mm -hmm. um because actually the the way i became started the way I started being a musician and learned to play the guitar and everything is that you took me to freshman football tryouts. Oh, God, that was awful. And <laughs> now I got to tell the story. Yeah. Okay. So I got to play football. I got to play football. I, I didn't want my children to play football. I think it's dangerous, and I think it's certainly dangerous when kids are young. Yeah. And you were a big clod anyway, so I knew you were going to break something. <laughs> so you finally, and you know, I said, okay. Kathy, you got to stop this. If this is what he really wants, you got to let him do it. Yeah. So I took you to tryouts for football, and there's tons and tons of kids there with their mothers. And we're in line, and the line is so long, and we have to go up to the table and talk to the coach and fill out the paperwork. And I'm I'm in my head saying, I really don't want to do this. I don't like the idea of this. I don't want him playing football. And then all of a sudden I turn over, and you are having a panic attack. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't do this. Of course, he has the panic attack when we're the next people in line. Oh, yeah. It was right before it's, we it's signed our like name. It's not like 700 people back. Oh, yeah. no. Number two in line. Oh. And I said, hey, I can't do this. I can't. I'm like, what are you talking about? I spent two <laughs> days convincing myself to let you do this. Oh, it so. was. It was. Yeah. I, I. Well, we showed up and I look around and I'm excited. And I was basically doing football because Nick Craig was doing football. And Nick mm-hmm. was my best friend at the time. And I was just like, okay, I'll do football with him because we were going into high school. You know, it's scary going from middle school to high school. I was like, I don't know. I'm not going to know anybody. I don't know what's going on. At least me and Nick will do football. That's how I'll blend in. And I show up at, we show up, you take me down to the football field. We go to sign up. And all I see is every single boy who had ever bullied me in my entire life from elementary school. (laughs) Just all lined up. Not a single person I like. Just everyone who's ever said something cruel to me in a row. And I just start freaking out. I'm like, no, no, I'm getting out of here. I'm not dealing with these. And But you were very always serious about making sure we were doing something. We couldn't just hang out. We had to be doing something. That's one of the reasons, you know, we did Boy Scouts so much and whatnot. And you were like, okay, well, if you're not doing football, you're doing something. And I remember. I said, pick now. Yeah, you pick before we get home because I'm pissed at you. <laughs> you're picking right now. I need, I need Tuesday afternoons off. We're gonna right. fit, you're gonna you're gonna find an activity. This better not really inconvenience me. <laughs> so of course I pick a very expensive hobby, and I was just like, oh, I'll take guitar lessons. And no, like, that wasn't bad. Actually, that didn't bother me. No. I didn't mind buying you a guitar, especially since. It was a portable instrument. It's yeah. not like I invested in a piano, which I already had. But anyway, yeah. um, you know, I, it, it wasn't any great loss to me if you didn't yeah. follow through. But you did. But you were like, all right, you're going to uh, you're going into this guitar lessons. This is where we're going. It's every Tuesday going. at three thirty, and you better practice. Yeah, and I and I and I sort and of you did. did. Yeah. I mean, I learned. I, I <laughs> for me, it was it was weird because I could have been much better at guitar. I'm way worse now than I was back then, uh, yeah. but I, you know, I can still know how to play and I still do play. Um, but I remember getting to a point where I decided I was done. I was just like, this is all I need to, cause I was in a band. <laughs> I'm brilliant now. <laughs> I was, no, it wasn't even brilliant. I didn't even think I was that good. I was just like, this is what I'll do. <laughs> like, this is I, uh, I know going. enough where I can play and sing at the same time. I can, you know, someone can tell me a note and I could play that note. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll figure out the rest later. <laughs> started, yeah. Which, the many years of Zach winging it. <laughs> which my guitar teacher, uh, his name was Rich, and he was this amazing, like, stereotypical heavy metal, hair metal guy who played, you know, the most elaborately incredible guitar, mm-hmm. like, classic metal solos ever. And I was just like, no, no, I just learned, you know. I, I could play Collective Soul now, so yeah, I don't need I'm to good. be here. Yeah. Um, but eventually I got into theater, too, doing that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so from an early age, you knew that we had, you had at least two children that wanted to work in the arts. Was that ever like a scary thing for you? No, not at all. I mean, I, well, it, here's the thing. I, I looked at both of you and I could tell both of you had talent. Casey has an amazing amount of talent. Yeah, she's way better than me. She doesn't get the opportunities that she deserves. Yeah. But she is amazingly talented. And then you came along and you started doing it and you were amazingly talented. I I don't want to be mean or anything. I don't think you're as good a singer as Casey is. Oh, no, no. I'm not even close to as good as Casey is. That's but you were always very at ease on stage. You're very charismatic. You're physically big. So when you did Miss Saigon, the only white... <laughs> 
rendition oh, of Miss Saigon. The all white was, rendition. The, the of all white. Yeah, it, was, it was shameful. It really was. But what was the part you played? Uh, the engineer. And you played the engineer, and you came out, and you would just, you just took over the whole stage. It was yeah. like, okay, he belongs here. And I knew for sure Casey belonged. When Casey did Evita, yeah. I was never more proud of my whole life. Oh, yeah. No, never she was more incredible. Proud. The, the girl who was going to play the part of Evita quit, basically. The day before. The day before. And Opening get, night. So this is in high school where it's everything. The play. We've been oh, rehearsing. Everything. We've and been Casey rehearsing for five months. It is the most chance. important thing. Yeah. Never got her chance. This girl quit, and I got a call from the principal of the school saying, would you be okay if we took Casey out of class and she played the lead tomorrow night? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And in, <laughs> For sure. And she was fabulous. And in 24 hours, Casey learned the entire part of Ava Barone in Evita. She knew it already. Oh, of course she did. She, she knew, knew it already. already. Yeah. The, she didn't get the opportunity to do the blocking. Yeah. But as far as vocally, that girl rocked it. Oh, yeah. She rocked it. She was Patti Lapone on her way up. Yeah. She rocked it. And she still rocks it. Oh, yeah. And then even Jake dabbled in it for a little bit. He did, but I think that was just to be around you guys. Jake is very contrary. Whatever you guys liked. Jake liked the opposite. Jake liked the opposite. He was a sports kid. He was very talented in baseball. He was very talented in baseball. He still is. He plays all the time. Oh, yeah. But, you know, uh, as we were getting on, so me and Casey were teenagers, and Jake was 11, 11 years old at Mm -hmm. the time, and he ended up getting very sick. Yeah. So, uh Jake has lupus mm-hmm. because it doesn't go away or anything. But they didn't know at the time he had lupus. They didn't no. know what it was. No. Um, um, I just remember one day I looked at him and, you know, working in the ER, you come to know that color, somebody turns when they're gravely ill. Yeah. That sort of, he wasn't it, that gray look. And I looked at him and I'm like, oh my God, something's really, really wrong. And I took him to the doctor and the doctor said, take him straight to Yale. Don't even stop. And, uh. That was the beginning of a three, four year journey for Jake. I mean, his kidneys were shutting down and he ended up going for chemo uh, for about a year. And we didn't know what was happening for a long time because lupus is something that affects uh, not 11 year old boys. (laughs) Well, I mean, it was it was very unusual and he had it very bad and he was on super high doses of steroids. And of course, he got very big. Yeah. I mean, outrageously big. And Jake is a skinny kid. He's a skinny kid today. Yeah. And uh, but I have to say, steroids, he was an incredible so trooper. Water, yeah. That kid never cried, never once. And this is three, four years in and out of the hospital, except for one time where he said, I can't take these steroids anymore. You know, because it was just the saddest, saddest thing. Yeah. And uh, he finally, they weaned him off and he got back to his regular self. And thank God he's healthy today. Oh, yeah. No, Still he's has lupus. Healthy. He has to take care of himself. But, but, but. it's manageable once, you, once it happened. But he was, at, he was in a grave situation when he first went to the oh, hospital. Oh, yeah. I remember I mean, them telling, he, telling me he could die. And I'm like, yeah, what? I remember that. It didn't even like, occur to me that he could die. Yeah. They were telling us that he, this, this, he might not make it past this because his, his kidneys were like gone. I remember there was even like we started discussing... Like transplant, even, and I remember the first thing was, um, okay. I was like, "I'll Who's do it." Who's not going to drink for the rest of their life because Jake's going to need a kidney? <laughs> no, exactly. That and didn't re- work out too well, did it? Well, I also remember being, <laughs> I also remember just being like, you know, sixteen, seventeen, and I was like, "I'll do it. 
I'll give Jake a kidney. And dad's like, you're way too big to give Jake a kidney. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's how it worked. It was like, no, he was just like, you're you're three times Jake's size. He but goes, it's going to be Casey. You know, the whole the whole time he was in and out of the hospital, um, I talked with my mother yeah. on the phone. And uh, we got a real close relationship. My mother and I didn't, get, I mean, we always loved each other or anything, but we didn't have a close relationship. But we got very close because... My sister Mary, who's since passed away, had yeah. a very rare disease, mm-hmm. and my um, my mom dealt with doctors. Her, you know, her first being a nurse, yeah. But second of all, you know, there's a lot of times doctors are winging it, and they don't know, and they're guessing, and they're treating yeah. symptoms and not finding the disease. And my mom just kind of walked me through the whole thing with Jacob. Ask them questions. Don't let them don't put let them you bully off. You. Yeah. And I get. <laughs> I got very aggressive about what was going on and what I wanted to happen. And the whole time Jake was sick, I was like, so when can you get him off the steroids? So when can we back down the steroids? You know, so. And you essentially, I mean, for at least the first five months when he was in the hospital for like for weeks and weeks and weeks, you lived there with him. You I were did. There every Poor Jake, because I snore. I'll admit it. <laughs> and I'd be sleeping in the in the chair next to him, and it's like I don't know. I probably kept him up. <laughs> oh, I think it was comforting. <laughs> I don't know. You have to ask Jake if it was comforting. I will say, being raised with someone who snored my entire life, <laughs> that it did become comforting because I do. I don't know. It, you you snore very loud. I, is, I, as a very... little kid, as a child, I remember my sister Betty. I must have been like eight or nine years old, coming over and hitting me over the head with the pillow in the middle of the night. And I'm like, "What? You're snoring. You always snore. I've always snored." Yeah, you've always been a heavy sleeper too. Didn't uh, a car plow into your house when you were a kid? Yeah, and um, <laughs> <laughs> a car smashed into a wall under my bedroom. And of course, the whole family, the whole neighborhood, and the ambulance and the fire trucks were all—they're all there for the big accident. And I slept through the whole thing. <laughs> Never woke up. You were just like, "What?" I mean, really, if there's a fire in the house, I'm a goner. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully there won't be. <laughs> um, no, but there's something comforting, like when you're raised with someone who snores very loudly. Is if you were snoring, it was almost like, "Okay, everything's okay," because mom's I'm not asleep. as bad as her. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, 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 because it was more like mom's asleep. It was so. She's at ease, which means everything's okay. There's nothing there scary go. happening because mom fell asleep. Well, okay. It also made being a teenager really easy to sneak out of the house. Oh, don't I know? <laughs> you think I didn't know you weren't sneaking out of the house? I think you found out later. You yeah. def- I can tell. I can tell you definitely were awake. I'm when a I was strong doing believer it. in what my mother taught me. What I don't know won't hurt me. Don't be presenting stuff to me unless you want me to deal with it. <laughs> oh. That's Jake. Jake. I don't think he ever got that. I don't want to know. Yeah, do I don't want to do know. whatever you want. Don't tell me. Don't you're doing tell it. me, <laughs> because I have a job here and I'm gonna do it. Exactly. Oh man. So then we all kept getting older, and now we're all adults. So now you went through the whole thing of raising kids. How'd you do a good job? Well, like really, honestly, because I, no one's in jail. No one's ever Thank been to jail. Uh, <laughs> no one's How addicted to drugs or anything like that. I'm always amazed. Well, first of all, I didn't do it by myself. Well, yeah, obviously, <laughs> if, if, Dad if I helped. didn't have your father, I would have made it because yeah. he's always talking me down, like, calm down, calm down. It's not worth getting crazy about. You guys had a very funny dynamic raising us because you were the you were the main line of defense. Like, honestly, you were like the 
the main disciplinarian and the main like dealing with problems and you would get very mad but then dad was like the final stop <laughs> dad would be like you better watch it because your father's gonna lose dad it dad was <laughs> the discipline like you well, were you were the yeah. main line of defense of that if it, if it was going too far you're like all right that's it tom and we were just like <laughs> oh like, jesus oh. <laughs> we're gonna you better be- i remember once when the kids were really really little we had a brand new couch and you and Casey were jumping on the couch. And I think maybe a couple of neighbor kids were there too. Mm-hmm. And I heard a, a snap. And the <laughs> inside wood of the couch broke in half. The support oh. beam. And I kept thinking, I remember thinking, oh my God, Tom's just, he's going to lose it. <laughs> and I remember flipping that couch over, peeling this the lining off getting his screw gun, screwing it together and stapling it back on and flipping the couch over. He never knew. Yeah. It's like, I just didn't really want to deal with him <laughs> yelling at you guys. Oh, man. What do you think there's any, like, besides having a, obviously, a sta- a good partner in the situation, what are, what are, what do you think made, ended up making you a good mother? Well, probably the uh, sort of influence of my parents. Yeah. I mean, my my mom was similar to me, disciplinarian, ran the show. She, you know, she knew how to give you the hairy eyeball. My mother looked at you sideways and you stopped dead in your tracks. You weren't really sure why. Yeah. But you knew if you didn't, you were going <laughs> to, Yeah. you better stop. My dad, on the other hand, was, you know, life's hard. Life's difficult. So we're going to go for an ice cream cone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell your mother. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, Papa was not like like dad. Dad was at least... No, my father was the final line of defense. Was my he? mother, but I have to say that my mom took care of 99.99999% of it. And then at the very end was yeah. my father that would step in. But as far as decisions, my parents always made them together. Awesome. Yeah. And that's important. Um, how did you instill a set of morals into us? Because we're all good i'm not tooting horns but we're all good no, people you're all good like, kids, yeah and um, and you know there's a lot of not good people out there so how do you make sure ex- i'm almost i'm asking for myself for if I, if I ever have a child in the future how do well, i make sure they're all, not a to jerk ex- to expect things from your kids uh-huh expect good behavior require requiring good behavior and showing showing your kids how good behavior happens like one of the lessons I remember teaching you guys is what sharing is. Yeah. Sharing is not when you give something to another child and it makes you feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Your warm and fuzzy doesn't matter at all. That's yeah. not sharing. That's called self-petting. Yeah. <laughs> sharing only counts when it really hurts. When you hand something to somebody that you really wanted or you really needed or you didn't really want to let go to, that's when you learned how to share. Yeah. So... Yeah, it stuck with us. And when you have six brothers and sisters, we're going to take it if you don't. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That helps too. Uh, Did we ever get into any really bad fights like that? That would, that, was there any ever point where we were fighting that like you were actually worried or you were just like, oh, they're just fighting? No, I mean, the the only fighting I worried about was the sort of brother-sister dynamic. I mean, Casey, I had two boys and one daughter. So Casey was sort of, on the not on the outs, but you guys just didn't get girls. No, so, no. I mean, we were. I mean, so Casey was sort of boys. <laughs> yeah, right, and you just really didn't care how she felt. <laughs> it really was not important. So I felt like I had to really um, 
be more careful with Casey. Yeah. You know, and allow her to be a girl and 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 understand her feelings where you boys just don't get it at all. You know? <laughs> we got no, yeah. No, we didn't. We 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 got it. We just didn't care. I don't know. No, yeah. no, we cared. We don't you know, we always cared about Casey and we always you know no, you I love mean, your sister, loved but her, it is. But... It's that brother sister dynamic where you're just No, like, being mm. a, a growing adolescent girl is extremely different from a boy. Boys exactly. boys bounce back easier. Yeah. I mean you have to deal with anger. I'll never forget with you. The first time I realized that you were grown up was uh, 9-11. Yeah. I remember that, you know, the TV was on and we were watching all these horrific things. And, you know, after we had all watched it, you were in the backyard pacing back and forth, back and forth because you were so angry. Yeah. You were so angry. And it's like, wow, this is not a kid response. This is... A grown young man, yeah. you know, angry about terrible things happening oh, I in was, the world. Yeah, no, I was. Fear- yeah. And I remember, I would have, you know, I was only thirteen at the time. But if I was older, like I would have joined up, like in the military immediately because oh, no, I wanted. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, because I wanted to, and I remember well, I telling yeah. you because I was so upset about it. But it was kind of like I was just saved from that because by the time I was eighteen, I started doing theater. <laughs> <It was just laughs> like, and know. they wouldn't take you. They wouldn't, <laughs> I bet you they would have taken me. Yeah. The army would have. I mean, I think I think the big thing, because I remember I didn't want to join the Navy, and they were telling me, they're like, yeah, you can join, but you're very tall, so you can't do oh, anything. You talked about the Air Force. You couldn't even, don't even uh, Air bother. Force, they told like, me not no, to. No, you're a freak. Because <laughs> uh, Mr. Craig was in the Air Force, right. so I remember asking him about the yeah, Air the Force. The Craigs had a huge influence on you. They really sure. did. Yeah. But I remember being like, what about the Air Force? And, and, and Mr. Craig was just like, you can't. No. You can't do anything. You're mm. way too big. <laughs> and... um. You know, one in of the, the Navy, th- they were like, uh, you can, you'd have to be land side. <laughs> you're like, you can, you can serve on a aircraft carrier. End of list. <laughs> That's yeah. the only boats you can go on. Otherwise you have to well, be land I mean, side. you weren't, you weren't the, the, I mean, let's put it this way. If we were at war, you would go and, yeah. but, but you weren't really weren't the type. No. You know, I remember too, for Casey, one of the hardest things for her was watching you thrive in high school when she was trying so hard and wasn't getting her chance. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a big guy. You're a big personality. You walk in and just all the air is sucked out of the room. It's not, a Zach show. Well, but not until my like junior, senior no, year. No, you were that way in high school. You just didn't realize it. I did, I so remember, Casey would yeah. be places and, and, and just all focus would shift to you. You know, and that's very hard to deal with. And, you know, I don't think you ever got that, you know? Yeah. But then I left high school and then she reigned afterwards. <laughs> that was the thing. No, not like you did. No. No, no, no. Not the same. No, truly not the same. It was a very different experience for a girl. Yeah. And then Jake, you know, he's got these two siblings who just just know what they want, work hard at what they want, and just sort of, you know, shine at what they want. Yeah. And I think Jake probably thinks whatever I want isn't ever going to be as big or as good as that. Oh, but it will you know? be. But it will be. Yeah. As soon as he tells us what it is. <laughs> as soon as he figures Come out on. what he is, he wants to I do. I think he knows. He just he just doesn't want... Jake's one of those people. I am not going to present it till I'm... till I'm good till and I'm ready. ready. He's going to... He's going to show up. And yeah. It's going to be something crazy. He goes, all right, guys, here's the deal. 
I've been investing in Bitcoin for 30 years. Well, that's years. exactly I have it. Jake's, Jake's I'm a be, multi-millionaire. It's going to yeah, it's gonna gonna be something be the, huge. the most successful out of the three of you. Absolutely. And he absolutely he'll, have had, he'll have had said nothing. Yeah. All of a sudden, nothing we'll just all. be like, wait. All of a sudden, what? Jake, you just, wait, what do you mean? What you're, do you mean he owns Facebook? Yeah. What do you mean your company <laughs> just went public and yeah. you have the majority of shares? What are we talking about? Yeah, How yeah. did this happen? Yeah, how does I was this work, affect me? <laughs> I was working on it on the side. Yeah. Oh, well, mm. mom, I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for raising me and for being such a good example for me if I ever want to have kids in the future. Because, uh, you know, you did an amazing job as a mother and as a friend growing up. You, that's the thing. You, were, you always tell her the difference that there's a big difference between a mother and a friend. Mm-hmm. But... Now that I'm older, you you have become a friend, which is great. Oh, but nice. you're but you're still my mother. That's <laughs> so, right. I can still turn still. like a on a dime. You know every put button, you in your place. You know every button that's ever existed. Well, that's that's what family's all about. Exactly. Know where the buttons are. Exactly. Um, any last words of advice for anyone who is thinking of having children on this Mother's Day? Of you know, last word of advice about parenting. Uh, give yourself a break. You yeah. don't you you don't have to have a clean house. If a clean house is important to you, hire somebody to clean it. And you know you don't have to. You don't you don't have to do a million things. You just have to love your kids. Yeah, that's it. And you know if making your life easier stops you from being a crazy person, you're not a good parent if you're a crazy person. <laughs> do what you have to do to make yourself right. So things are right for your kids. Perfect. Well, mom, thank you for coming. Oh, thank uh, you. I love you. I tell people actually, yeah. You know what? Follow my mom on Instagram at TC Miko. Mom doesn't put anything on Instagram. She I doesn't. just follow other people. She just follows other. I people. don't trust myself. If you find her Facebook, you're gonna get a a, a lot of old people memes that are. Really I just funny. I only put, I only put jokes on Facebook because first of all, I'm not that interesting, and second of all, there's so much yucky stuff. I just want people to laugh. Yeah. Although sometimes it gets really sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I too. love sarcasm. It's funny. <gasps> well, I love you very much. Love you too. We're going to go out to lunch now. <laughs> yeah, bye. bye. That's my mama. Thank you, Mom, for being on here. Thank you for making me the man I am today. And thank you for setting a good example for me on how not just to treat others, but how to treat and respect myself and how you've just been the greatest. And I love you so much. Again, happy Mother's Day to all your mothers out there. I hope you enjoyed my mother as much as I did. And please like and subscribe and rate our podcast. Everyone, uh, you can follow us on social media at Zach Miko, Z-A-C-H-M-I-K-O, on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BigThingsPod, at our website, BigThingsPod.com. Please write us at Zach at BigThingsPod.com and Josh at BigThingsPod.com. Have a wonderful, incredible, amazing week. And until next time, remember to go out into the world and do big things. Big things.